Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I am your host, Eric Anthony. This is episode 218. And coming back to the cave are my good friends and friends of the show, Mr. Sam Noir and everybody's favorite vegan, Shane Heron. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hi, how you doing? Yeah, your co-host. You guys are both going to be co-hosts soon. Thanks for doing this. I've been uh, I've taken a little hiatus in the last month, so this is my first podcast back in a while. How are you guys doing? Excellent. That's good. Shane? I'm okay. You're okay? Been better? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a little sad. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those... I think it's the season has something to do with it, and it's just been a very uh, melancholy year. There's been a lot of... It's been very emotional, but when you get bad news to top it off, it uh, it hits harder, right? Well, I'm so. just sad because my dog killed a raccoon. Oh, well, <laughs> there's that too. Uh, why did she kill a raccoon? She's always killing everything, man. She's ready to kill skunks, raccoons, rabbits. She's like... a hunter. She's a hunter. Yeah, I, yeah. I, but she's a hunter that kills. My dog's a hunter too, but she goes to just bring it. Like, you killed it. Here, I bring it for you. Yeah, so she's not a hunter. Okay. Did you wash her? Like, is, is the smell oh, of death uh, finally off of her? No, she's still kind of stinky. <laughs> oh, like garbage. I still hugged her, though. That after, But that was before I learned uh, <laughs> yeah, the smell of death about her. Do you have a... I know you don't really have any uh, eyesight or anything, but do you, can you smell? Um, are, you, are your senses completely gone? I didn't feel like she was that bad, to be honest, but I was just happy to see her, you know, running around the studio, so. It's one of those uh, smells, you know, when you're, like, right next to it and you don't smell it, and then it's just kind of like, you're like, where is it, where is it coming from? <laughs> it's like that, yeah. Eric, what are you doing there, moving all around? I just realized that my speaker box, where I usually record the podcast from, wasn't plugged in, and you guys were coming out of a very quiet speaker. So that f- this first little bit of the pod will be quiet. You guys there? Yeah, so you don't know. You forgot how to podcast what you're saying. Completely. I didn't turn the speed. I could hear you guys, but uh, I realized, wait a second, this isn't going to sound good. So but will just... the listeners hear us is the question. Now they will. Welcome, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude. <laughs> we are officially running properly. Thank you for bearing with me. Uh, Shane, you were telling me the other day that um, you almost got into a fight with a, a bus driver. Are you? Can you tell that story on the shore, or do you save it for? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to tell that on on this. I'll tell you later. It's embarrassing, but I, <laughs> I, yeah, I almost got into a fight. Were you in the wrong? No, I was not in the wrong. Mm. Often so you, I am. You so you felt justified this time. Yeah, I'll, I'll feel- tell you later. It's not a good. It's it's an embarrassing story. Okay. I feel in general there's heightened tension everywhere. I know I, I nearly mix it up with someone uh, who came, you know, sitting right next to me without a mask on on transit. So Yeah. It's, it's also it's, like uh, I notice like um, uh, government employees like LCBO, TDC, all this shit. They, these people, like they're using a COVID as an excuse to be just – completely useless and incompetent and like everyone will just defend them because they're like ah they're frontline workers but like they're just really incompetent and shitty (laughs) yeah i think that that was part of my my reason for just being you know radio silent for a little while because it's just everybody was 
there's just been that tension and just con everything you you I feel like I was getting anyways maybe I was focusing too much on it was just like things to polarize all the time and it just felt like you know what I don't want to I just don't want to get into anything right now I want to just be peaceful and quiet and if I do say something it might be stupid so it's better I just don't talk to anybody for a little bit but yeah you're right Sam everyone's got their ten their tensions are high and I think the the, the other thing we we got to sort of keep in mind as well especially you know, me riding transit, it's like 99% of the people are fine, but on a, on a, you know, they're, they're respecting distance as best they can on a crowded, you know, streetcar subway, they have their masks on, you know, uh, they're generally very respectful, but then every now, you know, it seems like almost like on a daily basis, you get the one that, you know, is looking to mix it up or make a point by, by not wearing a mask. I That's mean, annoying. It was even a, there was even, and again, there was a there was a homeless man uh, who I assume was homeless sitting across from me, coughing uh, the other day, and I pulled out my mask, like like I had extras, right, in a plastic wrapper, and I just sort of uh, uh, leaned across and said, "Hey, I got this extra. Would you would you like it?" And he said, "Yes." Yeah. So I gave it to him, and he put it on, and, and that was that was lovely. And again, I got to remember that guy, and not let all the the jerks you run into sort of spoil it for you. You got to sort of try to you know celebrate and, the the folks that that you do run across that are you know and now you're doing a kickstarter with them <laughs> <laughs> we are <laughs> actually it's a it's a go fund me go fund me for for masks that for shoes of, uh, get them some shoes get them a, 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 a shoe <laughs> yeah i mean i don't at this point in time, it's like, I hate wearing a mask myself. It's annoying, especially when you wear glasses and it gets fogged up all the time. But I, I can't go anywhere if I don't wear one. So just shut up and wear it and let's get this over yeah. with. No, absolutely. I, I'm not fond of this, but I'm wearing it just to be, you know, uh, uh, safe and keeping folks safe around me. Like it's yeah. just, you know, everyone has to respect everyone else. And, respect and the space. cases are rising. And, and are you- actually, I don't... Are you guys finding like people seem to just be going back to normal, like nothing's happening, and like when the, when it first happened in March, everyone was like very you know scared to go out and everything, which is cool. But now the numbers are like way higher than they were the first time, and people are like, yeah, come over to my house for drinks and stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is like constantly on people are inviting me to things as if nothing's happening, and the numbers are worse right now. I just I don't know. I'm I'm like, what are people thinking? For, I think for yes me, and it's, no. Yes and no. It's uh. I the, the first wave. I other than than my aunt and uncle who was on that cruise off the off the shore of Japan, I didn't really know anyone in the first wave that had encountered COVID or had COVID. And now it's like, yeah, I know plenty of folks. Like, yeah, I. I, I oh, can we talk about Ricky? Ricky had COVID. Ricky <laughs> Lima got COVID, yo. Yeah, it I'm was sorry. a secret that I wasn't supposed to talk about, but then. He apparently he wrote about it in his book, so I'm allowed to talk it about in, it. In undergrowth. So. Well, he said that when he told me, he was embarrassed by it because he was like, I don't know, but it's not nothing, none of his fault. Like he he's been working from home. Uh, I think someone brought it into the house. You know, it's gonna happen eventually. But yeah. he uh, he was like kind of embarrassed by it, and I told him like, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Like, like you didn't do anything wrong. You weren't fucking. It's not like you he parties. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And and this is the thing. A lot of people are staying safe, but all it all it takes, like especially how frustrating would it be if you did stay home this whole time and be compliant and try to do your best, and then you know just one slip up, right? And I've heard a lot of these stories where you know one person just uh, slipped up once, and there there were consequences. It's it's scary to me. Yeah. You know, uh, loved ones end up in hospitals. You know. Uh, 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 yeah, I've, I've heard you know one person uh, passing away. So we we just got to be careful and respectful and try to you know do our best, right? Me, I passed away. You guys are talking to a ghost right now, <laughs> and the studio is filled with ghosts. Actually, so. <laughs> I, I why, died of COVID, guys. This is why I don't like being here by myself. Yeah, yeah it's creepy, eh? Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've sort of uh, vowed now, especially since uh, I I heard you know back in the seventies like there were murders and shit here. So oh goodness, I did not know that. That's a good place to uh, come up with stories. Yeah, there used to be um, Ramon said that he was yeah he was talking to a guy that used to work here or something like that, and there was it was like a club, like a nightclub. Well, I think it was almost. I, I think if I remember correctly, it was like kind of like a speakeasy type thing, and. Um, some guy in the back, uh, like they were, I guess near the dance floor, there was like tables and some guy got shot and then he was just sitting there slumped over and he was there like the whole night. No one noticed he was dead until like the lights came on and shit. His ghost is here. He can, he's behind me. Can you see him? He's right here. The rubber, the rubber blank guy. (laughs) Yeah. Rubber blanks. It's kind of weird for me because I, I never stopped working through this whole thing. And it's yeah, very, very briefly, two weeks, but it was, it, it was my, my company who chose to do it as opposed to the industry that I'm in doing it. So we went back to work and before you knew it, it just felt like business as usual in a lot of ways. So for me, there's been, there's been that aspect of it. Like you guys are like, does this thing feel different? It feels kind of, the, the year has been kind of the same. It's more those around me that remind me of what's going on or what's changed for them like a lot of people working from home and uh people's you know losing having lost their job or whatnot so that's where i'm reminded but for me it's been same old traffic commute all that nonsense just haven't been able to see people which sucks it's just straight to work and then back home yeah i mean i've seen my i've seen my parents um in the summertime, I was seeing some family that we would. One of my cousins has a really nice uh, backyard with a pool, a big piece of land. So I was able to see people and, you know, still keep our distance and whatnot. But, uh, you know, with this whole thing happening again, all of the. I don't know. Do you guys feel. Do you, do you feel the void of something as frivolous as Comic Con? Like, I think it's, it's affected my sort of inspiration and, and connection to community. Absolutely, uh, it's it's well, and again, more the camaraderie than yeah. than the tabling, to to be honest. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's actually really nice to get on Zoom and uh, just chit chat too. That's that's uh, it's kind of what's been keeping me going. So yeah. yeah, I mean, like even if like like cons can get tiresome and stuff like that, but yeah. it's it's for you know guys like us who are constantly going to cons, reporting on cons, tabling at cons. It's such a big part of our life. Like Fan Expo is the end of summer for us, and it's like a big deal. Everyone, you know, and it's just weird. Like I was thinking about it today. I was like, "There's, there's no Fan Expo this year." I, I don't remember. 
I don't think I've missed a fan expo since, I don't know, 98, I think, is my first one, and I've been to every one since. Uh, it just it feels odd, yeah. And it, like I was saying on the, the Sketchomania, I was like, I really, like, I don't even go to a lot of music shows anymore. I'm an old man and, like, comedy and stuff. But I, I'm like, I want to go see a stand-up comedy. I want to go to the yeah. Horseshoe and see a band. Like, I just want to go do stuff, right? So, yeah. But I, mean, I miss live theater. I miss, uh, I, yeah, I miss concerts. Like, we had a bunch of concert tickets uh, ready to go. and. Mm. Although, I guess some people have tried this drive-in uh, uh, concert thing. So, I don't know how, if any of those went and how they went yeah i think there's we get a certain level of um inspiration too right when when we are in creative spaces where we see a lot of you know things happening or or we we like for me i know for you guys you're tabling you're working and you're you're networking for me i i do that i do the networking part but when you get to go to panels and hear creators talk about their work and it just kind of reinvigorates your love of the medium and mm-hmm. not being able to have that so much this year. I mean, you still have podcasts, but it's not quite the same thing of being able to, that that tactile aspect of it, right? So I think no March Com- Comic Con, no Fan Expo. There's like nothing, no, no TCAF. Like you just have, don't have those little pebbles or not pebbles, but those stepping stones to get you through the year to be like, now I'm gonna read this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and again, we gotta we gotta be thankful for. Again, I I gotta I, I am sort of in that mindset where where I need to sort of snap myself out of it sometimes in terms of uh, what what good happens. So I mean, uh, uh, Shane and I at least got to host a little gallery launch and cauldron launch. Uh, yep. You know, when things were okay, yep. and and that was so nice seeing. You know. The, the few dozen people that showed up throughout our, our little open house gallery launch for for cauldron I, I can't tell you how what a what a wonderful sort of uh, uh, oasis that felt like to me you yeah. know it was definitely a highlight yeah yeah that's true and it'll be nice to see it'll be nice to think of all of the new creative ways that we'll be able to do stuff when we know that at times we're going to have to maybe go through something like this. Like there's new ways to connect. And, and like you guys did with that little open house, it was not as big as what we would normally do, but you got you got to do something new, right? So that's good. Those, those are the good parts of this. Yeah, and just uh, trying to pivot into 2021. At least we were reacting a lot is the way I look at it in, in 2020. And uh, at least we know for the next year, uh, uh, likely we're going to be, you know, doing the same old, same old. So just trying to figure out, okay, what are the new models of, of doing this? You know, I mean, Kickstarter definitely isn't a uh, uh, replacement for, for in-house shows, but it is actually kind of a fascinating uh, model for comics creators right now, crowdfunding and just sort of leaning heavily into that in 2021. We were just talking about... Uh, you know, in some ways, it, it's kind of interesting how it replaced uh, conventions in terms of original art. Uh, Shane and I were just talking about, uh, yeah, all the original. We were shocked compared to other uh, uh, cauldron campaigns because in this one, uh, we just got wiped out of original art in it. And, and yeah, it's folks that aren't able to go to shows and and do the in-person thing. They have a budget, I guess, for, for original art. So. 
Yeah, I was talking to, like, most artists I talk to, you know, Ramon in the studio, even for myself, who's smaller beans, but I've been seeing an uptick in people hitting me up for commissions and stuff like that, and it's, these are the guys that will be at cons buying commissions in person. They got, they still got money to spend. They still want to buy art, so it's been good in that sense, right, I think. And you said, um, Sam, Kickstarter is up, what, uh, 22 million in comic books or something like that? What's yeah. That? They posted an article and basically, uh, you know, they reached an all-time high in the comics category specifically with 22 million, uh, with two months left to go, up from 16 million last year. So, so that's, uh, yeah, that's quite a high growth rate, and uh, probably a great deal of it has to do with uh, the pandemic and a lot of high-profile, you know, creators seeing it, seeing crowdfunding as an option, especially uh, during pencils down stage, right? Yeah, I think it was a good opportunity for a lot of the guys who, if their Marvel or DC books were paused and they had this passion project they've been wanting to do for a while, now is the time to do it, right? And um, with all the weird distribution thing going on with DC and Diamond just not being as important as it used to be, uh, and I've been saying this for a few years now, that Kickstarter is the way to go, or crowd, Kickstarter is at least a prototype of what's going to be happening, but... Uh, crowdfunding and just directly selling, uh, buying, pre-selling your books and then buying it directly from the creators, uh, eliminating a lot of the middlemen is is the way it's going to be. And it's actually, it's been really good. And we found that for our our last Cauldron campaign was the most successful Cauldron we've done yet. The most successful Kickstarter any of us have done yet. Uh, And then you're seeing it with things like Mother Trucker, Andy, uh, Andy Belanger's book. And Marco Rudy's book just uh, did a really nice campaign. So, yeah, it's, it's really good. And I, I kind of like that um, this pandemic is sort of pushing people into that. Uh, and I think that's going to be the way of the, the future for comic book sales. Yeah. And our digital sales were, were unbelievable as well. It's like just, just looking at the percentages that were, were digital. And I guess a lot of it would be sort of overseas people or just people who are at home and don't want the sort of uh, physical. It's, it's a good sign that uh, we have a healthy uh, reading audience. I, I actually uh, uh, think that's very positive. Yeah. I think, I think when it's all said and done, we'll look back at this year and realize all of the sparks of creativity and new ideas that ha- that had come out from uh, creators becoming you know more well known and then like you said Shane those those well known creators doing their passion projects it'll be a very interesting time to look back on creatively to see what everybody was up to and and what kind of maybe for lack of a better term kickstarted certain things in their career like for you guys having that cauldron be such a success i don't think it it'll be forgotten or or, or be something that won't be worthy to be noted years to come to remember that moment where something shifted you know yeah but i also i don't think it's gonna be like um you know once once we get a vaccine or the world sort of back to normal ish cons are open again i don't think it's gonna go back the way it was exactly like i think mm-hmm. this is gonna be the world we live in now where it's, it's opened a lot of uh like doors for everyone and uh we were talking about how people who who back kickstarters like that who may not have been into that or knew what that was or how to do it all of a sudden they've got a kickstarter profile they're gonna start browsing like uh, and people are doing you know more online shopping and stuff like that so this is kind of like the the world we're going to be living in as well as you know when we get cons back and stuff like that which is kind of cool 
Yeah. And Kickstarter is just sort of the phase, phase one as well, uh, as we sort of uh, discuss, you know, what is going for 2021. So you start with Kickstarter, a little plug where if folks miss the Kickstarter, we're now on Indiegogo in demand and uh, raid.world store. So folks can go to, to call, you know, get Cauldron or uh, Bally Skillin, my uh, fantasy augmented reality comic with andrew dorland uh, those are all available in another platform as we get ready to go to print and it's just sort of another opportunity and then of course that with digital uh comics i've been having conversations around uh comiXology and uh what, whatever the amazon in demand is it kindle whatever the kindle platform is as well so so yeah digital is moving forward going to be a, a a big thing so might as well it you know here's the positive we're we're uh it's given us an opportunity to make the shift and uh, give it a try and see how it goes into the future and and hey if it's working uh, maybe live cons will be a, a smaller part of the equation you know we will do we'll still do the big ones but uh you know for me at least being out there every single week was exhausting i don't know how i did it like yeah yeah for it's true and i think that's that's just the the human nature of us right when we face a problem and we still need to get things done we come up with a creative way to do it like that's just us as as a species so this is no exception in a lot of ways and so we'll look back and it'll be bittersweet but there'll be uh things that we're happy we implemented that we may not have been inspired to do as quickly or in the same fashion if if sometimes the crisis doesn't occur unfortunately unfortunately but um what have you guys been up to as far as like just keeping yourselves busy, keeping yourselves entertained? What have you been reading, watching? Is there anything like you know that's on that binge list or whatever you're you're up to? Uh, the Crown. I I yeah, it dropped on Sunday and I I binged all of that. Uh, the Mandalorian. I I can't wait every Friday to see the latest episode of that. Um, Oh, there's a great, uh, in terms of comics, uh, do, you, do you guys know about Panel Syndicate? No. The Pay What You Can platform that I think uh, brought Brian K. Vaughn and Marcus Martin. That's where uh, the Private Eye and Barrier first showed up. Ed Brubaker has an amazing new comic uh, with Marcos Martin. And uh, I'm glad to know I'm not alone in that as a, as a kid, you know, who was reading Encyclopedia Brown and uh, uh, just getting into sort of Judy Bloom at that time, there was a little bit of an overlap. Apparently, I'm not the only kid who was wondering about the uh, romantic and uh, burgeoning sexuality of Encyclopedia Brown and uh, whatever her name is, Sally, his uh, <laughs> sidekick. So Ed Brubaker apparently wondered this and created a comic called Friday, which is amazing. Cool. That's cool. How about you, yeah, Shane? in the pulp realm. Shane, are you there? How about you? Oh, what have <laughs> I been doing? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've watched, uh, I've been really obsessed with uh, me and the guys at the studio we're talking about. Uh, uh, I keep talking about it. You guys got to watch it. It's on Netflix. It's called I Think You Should Leave. It's a oh, sketch yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, have you watched it yet, Sam? Yeah, you turned it. You turned me on to it. I, I loved it. Like there's like, only one season that came out last year. Do you know what this is, Eric? I think I've seen the uh, like the icon for it, but I have. I don't really know what it's about. 
gotta watch it. It's the best fucking. Uh, it's so it's this guy Tim Robinson who was uh, on SNL. He was a writer for SNL and he did a, a few uh, performing. Uh, he performed a little bit on on the sketches, but they never really tapped into him. And then uh, this sketch show they did for Netflix is basically. I don't know if they're all, but most of them are just sketches that SNL said no to, mm. uh, and they're just crazy and ridiculous, and it's probably the best sketch comedy I've seen in, I don't know, the last 20 years. It's just, it's crazy good. Me and um, Kyle and Kyle's brother Alex, all, all we do is quote it and talk about it all the time. Uh, so just, just watch. You can watch a whole season in one night. It's only, I think, six episodes or something like that, but it's so funny. I think you should leave Tim Robinson amazing. It's great uh, see, in small chunks at a time as well. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's it's so funny. Everything is. Tim Robinson is an amazing performer. Uh, yeah, that's good. Also, uh, oh, I watched. Uh, have you guys seen Eric Andre's stand-up special? No. On Netflix, it came out a couple months ago. Um, I was here at the studio and I was like listening to it, kind of watching it, and I was just fucking dying. I was laughing so hard, and everyone was like, "What is he watching?" And then everyone who I told to watch it, they thought it wasn't funny. So I don't know. <laughs> and then, so I went back and rewatched it to see if I'm crazy. And I laughed just as hard the second <laughs> time. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I have like at least five, six people tell me that it sucks. But I thought it was one of the funniest stand up specials I've seen in a long time. I watched, um, speaking of comedy, uh, Burt Kreischer, The Cabin. I was dying of laughter with that one. Have you seen any of those? No, I don't really find Kreischer funny. I mean, at least I haven't seen enough of him to... I never cared for for the whole shtick of, you know, being drunk and taking off your shirt and doing stand-up. But when I watch The Cabin, because it's it's him kind of going somewhere for a retreat to, to flush out the system and find himself. But because he's there and he doesn't want to be bored, he calls his comedian friends up. So it's kind of like a reality show, but it's clearly planned out of what they're going to do throughout the day. But there's a, there's a couple moments in that show that just had me crying in stitches, and it made me end up watching. I, I ended up watching his comedy, and I actually found him a lot funnier than I expected to. So sometimes you have a pleasant surprise of things you don't think you'll like that you end up uh, really enjoying. So if if yeah, you want to check it out, yeah, the cabin is 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 actually pretty funny, and he has a diverse group of guests there, which is actually kind of cool. He actually had Caitlyn Jenner up there for for an episode. Yeah, that was the yeah, funny. Yeah, at the Wikipedia page right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Now you don't have to watch it. Oh man, no, it doesn't like. Uh, but it has, yeah, like good names on there. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting to see who he pairs up together to to kind of get them to do things that would be out of those friends' comfort zone, and then kind of seeing how they can share that experience and talk about it. it. It's cool, but it still has a lot of extremely funny moments in it. Um, are you reading any comics or books, uh, Shane? I know you read you you read actual books, unlike me, who just reads comic books. <laughs> I'm I'm actually illiterate. Oh yeah, is that I an- cannot read. I'm so- like Dennis Rodman. I can't read. <laughs> so you've died and lost and, and lost the ability to read. Since I never could. I never learned to read. Oh, audiobooks. You could do uh- audiobooks. Oh, that's true, actually. Uh, I'm trying to look like I made a few notes about stuff we would talk about, but uh, I don't think I'm... Am I reading any comics, Sam? Have I talked about any comics that I'm reading? Uh, You're reading a million books. Yeah, I'm, I'm always reading comics. Uh, uh, yeah, have you, either of you read the Three Jokers or Rorschach? 
I, I, I collected the three Jokers and wanted to read it in, in one sitting, and I haven't gotten to it yet. But I heard that's good. I heard it's really, it, it lived up to the hype. Yeah, again, uh, I'll, I'll wait till you're finished it and, and we can uh, do a little more of a, a deep dive. I, I liked it. The Faybach art was was great. I do, my, my one caveat is I do wonder how it stands up if you haven't, for example, read uh, Killing Joke or Death in the Family. Does it, like, you know, still stand on its own? Yeah, yeah. I uh, recently, I've been reading a, a lot, as usual. Uh, I've been trying to, for the first time, listen or quote-unquote read uh dune so i've been doing that on audiobook um i read i read the first one the first one yeah the first one i'm so sad that they they pushed back dune till next year yeah i was was actually excited for it this year yeah it it it, because the movie was coming out and it got pushed back and it's one of those sci-fi books that you know are are on recommended reading lists i wanted to to you know add that feather to my cap if you will uh, Why the Last Man I read in like completion for the first time. I had read portions of it before, but never in one sitting kind of thing. Uh, and Doomsday Clock. I had been there the day that it was released. I collected them. At Gotham Central. At Gotham Central, that's right. That was a good night. It was very fun. Got yeah. John's doing the signing. He, yeah, it was, it was a really good night. But... Um, I, I hadn't read it until two weeks ago, and I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I liked the the Gary Frank art. I thought it was a very interesting way to do a sequel on such a classic and untouchable story. But like you said, Sam, I don't know if, if it's something that anyone could read or enjoy if they hadn't read Watchmen and really understand sort of the, the nuances or you know all those little character factors of, of how people are connected. I think it would be lost on people if they hadn't read it. So it, it that's that is a, a bit of a knock against it, if if you will. I'd I'd be interested to read it all in one sitting as well, because I sort of read it as it serialized. So there's probably a lot that you know I I didn't catch, but uh, I think the moment that kind of broke me a little bit on it. I, I think we were talking about this. Uh, basically, the 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 superhero the the heroes that are essentially the super friends basically fighting Dr. Manhattan with his uh, dick hanging out. I, I don't know why, but it just sort of, you know, uh, seeing the Watchmen characters with, you know, Superman, Batman, etc. It, it just, something about that didn't didn't jive with me. And, and, and again, the, the juxtaposition, because Watchmen, it really worked when it was in its own world. And then suddenly, you know, here's, here's literally the super friends, you know, uh, uh, having a, a superhero fight with him, uh, uh, would be sort of the one moment that really, really kind of, uh, uh, yeah, derailed me on it. But, uh, yeah, for, for what it was, I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the, the journey. Again, I'd be really curious, like the three jokers, how, how well does this stand out? Up, uh, as its own story without you know prior knowledge you know yeah i don't think it would I, that one specifically because you really have to know the, the ending of watchmen or or understand the the character relationships from that book and how the the watchmen universe characters cross over into this one and when certain people appear spoilers you you see certain people that you thought may have been dead not dead and it's really cool but if you haven't if you have no reference point, I think those moments of, of, Ooh, that's neat. will be kind of lost on you, but it is a, it is a very 
uh, creative or clever cheat code for the DC universe to explain why they always seem to reboot every two years. So I guess in that way it was, you know, clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't like it. Thing, it. It it came <laughs> out. It came out before. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, did the final issue come out before the TV show? Because that's the other thing. Uh, I think I would have been like, you know, fairly fine with it. But then the TV show came out, and it was so good. You TV can't show was incredible. Sort of compare. Yeah, the TV show. Shane, have you seen the Watchmen TV show? No. That that's comic. I book. tried to redo Wikipedia, and it was so boring. <laughs> It just, I was I was the one ready not to to accept it, you know. Especially I, I'm a little down on you know Damian Lindelof and and his ability to stick a landing on the stuff he does. But uh, yeah, full props. I I thought it was uh, yeah some of the best television I've I've seen in a while. It it was brilliant and and really carved its own territory. It wasn't slavish to more stuff. Uh, I I thought the for, for example, the uh, Watchmen movie adaptation, I thought tonally it was completely wrong. Like even though it was shot for shot, uh, there's just like uh, there's no way Night Owl or or uh, Rorschach should look so cool and romanticized. You know what I mean? Uh, they 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 are like you know yeah. There's a smelly homeless guy, which is the whole point of of Rorschach and uh, uh, Night Owl, who's a dumpy middle aged guy. You know, and and yeah. the, all the slow mo stuff uh, didn't quite work in terms of the pacing and and all that. But yeah, uh, really glad they they carved their own thing. Rorschach, actually, I'm I'm quite enjoying. And again, they're they're going off on their I think uh, post Watchmen TV show. The great thing is Tom King and uh, company are going off in their own direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so good, Shane. The TV show, you you will, it's it's excellent, and I'm not just saying that because it's comic book related. I was, you know, one of those people who was not for it. People were telling me, "Oh, you gotta watch Watchmen show. You like the comic book? You watch Watchmen?" And I was like, "Nah, no thanks. I don't need a television because I don't. I typically don't like anymore the the approach that DC takes to a lot of their shows in general. So I wasn't sure how this one would would uh, rank in comparison to them." If did you like Watchmen the comic, Shane? Yeah, of course. Yeah, the show is is a perfect sequel. Like, Why do you always recommend shows to me? You know I don't like shows. Well, no, because <laughs> Sam brought it up because we were talking about the comic. I know you won't read the comics that I recommend you ever. Um, well, I won't read any Watchmen. Stuff. I'm anti new Watchmen stuff. I'm on Team Alan Moore here. Yeah, and and I don't think they should be profiting off of this. Mm. Well, Dave Gibbons was was behind creatively all of the stuff with the show. He was very much involved in it. So Alan Moore doesn't want it, and I'm on his side. They he they fucking they they screwed him out of the Watchmen rights, and they should be given back to him. And I hate big corporations that do that shit. Have anti new Watchmen material, all of it. All right. So let's I talk about disagree. the crown. I, I I won't disagree with that. Uh, you do you do have a point. I saw Ken Lashley did a Rorschach cover. It looked cool as hell. I didn't like it. I didn't hit the like button. I oh. couldn't do it. Can't. I can't go for it. You, you got so much integrity. Look at you. Uh-huh. Have either of you watched Fargo, by the way? Because no. season four is amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, Chris Rock is in it. Chris Rock is playing a gangster, and he's he's wonderful. It's I might like watch it just for Chris 50s. Rock. Yeah, yeah, no. And uh, who's... Oh, shoot. 
who's the Coppola who's uh, in Rushmore? What's that guy's name? The movie Rushmore? Schwartzman? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's in it too, so. I like Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, him and Rock are, are sort of, uh, yeah, uh, an Italian gangster and a black gangster in, in their respective communities uh, about to go to war. It's, it's after three seasons. Uh, like Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, yeah, there there is a little bit of that, but uh, I, I guess the what's his name Noah Hawley, uh, after three seasons has honed his skills so much it's like bravura. He's placing all of these. Like, there's so many characters in it. Uh, Timothy Oliphant is uh, again playing a cowboy type character. He's a marshal, but he's just like slowly putting down these characters, and there's this huge cast. And yeah, all of a sudden started knocking down the dominoes as we head towards the finale. So. Does Fargo, the TV show, I, I, it's never clear to me, is it related at all to the, the Coen Brothers movie? Yes. Uh, so they all take place in the same universe, and there are like all these sort of ties uh, between the seasons, because they reboot the show every season, but there are uh, character ties and plot ties uh, between the movie and the seasons of the TV show. So, you know, one season might uh, be starring uh, the daughter who's now a deputy, and then the next season was flashing back in time, like 20 years, to what her father, who was the sheriff okay. back then, was, was up to, or uh, even as, as small as uh, this, this incident happened in the movie that uh, impacts, uh, you know, something shows up in the TV show that becomes a major plot point that was sort of a small uh, uh, loose end for the movie. Okay. But... Uh, yeah, there's different degrees, but they all sort of uh, are in the same universe. Or, you know, uh, there was a hitman in an earlier season, and you get to see the origin of, of this hitman and why he has an Irish name, for example. So, hmm. Okay. I wasn't sure what I needed to know to watch that show and and what the kind of the take on it was, because I haven't seen the movie. I was very jump into any time. jump into any season you'll you'll like it but uh you know if, if in terms of a deep dive like are, are you a Coen brothers fan can't say that i am but it's not because i don't like them it's just more that i'm not uh in the know enough gotcha yeah gotcha i was actually Shane, thinking about that the other day that i should start watching a couple of those their movies because i've always heard how well written they are and and, and yeah mm -hmm. well put together they are as plots and storylines you haven't seen Coen Brother movies? I can't. I know that they did. I, I when people name them, I'm like, oh yeah, I know that's a Coen Brother movie. But I, I, in my have mind, have you seen No Country for Old Men? No, no, I haven't. It's the best movie of all time. Yeah, I'm not the so guy who Wikipedia's everything says. No, Raised in Arizona is great, but No Country for Old Men is, uh, I think, my favorite movie of all time. It's so fucking. Oh beautiful. wow! I can't believe you haven't seen it. No, it I is haven't. a haunting movie. I, I think it, it disturbed me so much that I I can't make it my favorite movie. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. So you prefer Coen Brothers, let's say noir stuff, uh, their dramas to their comedies, Shane? No, uh, yeah, I think no, I don't know. Like I really like. I think Burn After Reading is really underrated. Oh my God, it's it's uh, for me. It's within the top three. No, like I love I love Lebowski and Race in Arizona. I, I do like their like comedies too, but I don't know. I just think No Country for Old Men. The second I saw it, the opening scene, I'm like, oh my god, this is brilliant, and I just couldn't get past it. I think 
uh, Shiger, uh, Javier Bardem's character. Oh, God. I think he's the best villain ever. He haunts my nightmares. He's better than Vader, I think. Uh, I think he's my favorite movie villain of all time. Uh, yeah, it's just brilliant. The whole movie is brilliant. But also, like, their, their, um, their remake of True Grit, so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even I'm, I'm really fond of the remake of uh, the Lady Killers. Again, I, I think I lean more towards Coen Brothers comedies. Like I, I love his their dramas, but uh, I, I think I think they're they, they do tend to go a little heavy, uh, even though they're brilliant, you know. And I, I when I when I'm relaxed these days, I think I'd, I'd prefer to sort of uh, have a few laughs with my entertainment. Yeah. Have you did you watch Hail Caesar? Oh yeah, no, I, I I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it. The the whole uh, so underrated. Communist, yeah, yeah, and the whole uh, communist uh, blacklisting and the writers thing was was genius. Absolutely, it's like genius. they're um, they're you know uh, that's like a love letter to Hollywood from them, and it's just it's the way they do it is so good. Yeah, All the, the actors, last. You know, Last hurrah of the studio system and George Clooney, man, like he could have easily, uh, you know, taken the uh, what's what's Thanos's name again? Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah, he could have easily taken that role, but the fact that he he took the the, the comedy Gonzo role instead, you know, he, was he offered Josh Brolin's role for that? I don't know. I could have easily seen him play Josh Brolin's role, at, you know, especially as a leading man, you know, but the fact that he chose. I thought Roland was so character. perfect for that role, though. And he was. I love Clooney as, like, the stupid kind of actor who's just, like, they tell him about communism. He's like, you guys, like, this is awesome. This sounds great. Have you heard about this? <laughs> no, but yeah. he does have a comedy flair, and I'm glad he sort of took that character as opposed to, you know, because, again, he probably, with the Cullen brothers, has his choice of characters. And his character in, was it Burn After Reading? Uh, was pretty yeah. funny as well. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, Burn After Reading and The Hail Caesar are like, they don't get enough credit as Coen Brothers movies. They, for some reason, they're kind of just like forgotten, but they're, I think they're brilliant. Oh, yeah. And Brad Pitt just playing a comedic character. Like, his, he's, he's got chops. Francis McDormand's amazing. Did you guys, uh, I guess you haven't seen it here. Uh, did you watch The Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Came out a couple of years ago yes. on Netflix. Uh, it's, that's where you should start, Eric. It's, Coen Brothers is a Netflix, and it's uh, it's six. I think there's six of them. Six short stories, and they're mm-hmm. all westerns, but they're all kind of like different genre of westerns and different like. And it's uh, uh, it's so it's so great, man. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is amazing. In their own way, they're sort of taking apart the western genre in a way you you, you don't always see as well. I uh, especially once they go into like musical territory. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, Eric. You should watch. You should start there at the Ballad of Buster Scruggs because you can watch. I feel like I've told, talked to you. I've had this exact conversation. But you can just watch like one at a time and just watch. There, it's just six sort of short films, and they're they're great. Yeah, I got it. That's one of because my me, me and my wife have no problem, you know, getting into a movie binge and and trying to discover new directors and writers and stuff. But for some reason, and it isn't purposeful at all. I, I don't think either of us have ever come across one of those films and, and gone on one of, like, let's keep watching these guys' movies. So it's something that I uh, will probably do uh, maybe this Christmas because there are a bunch of them on um, on Netflix. And there's, Big there's... Lebowski? you never seen Big Lebowski? No. I know oh, it. Yeah. 
I I know the reference. I know the jokes. Like that when like when they were making when I saw Thor in in Endgame, I said, "Oh, he's doing the big Lebowski." The, the big Lebowski. Like I I understood it, but um, not not enough to have properly given it any sort of um, review, if you will. So I I don't really have an opinion of good or bad, but I've only heard good things. No one's ever said that they didn't like Coen Brothers. Yeah, so I'll get on it, Shane. When you watch all of the uh, Marvel movies. <laughs> Actually, just no. jumping back to, to no. Dune for a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah have you guys Dune. seen Jodorowsky's Dune? The documentary? No. Hopefully it's still on, on Netflix or, or Amazon Prime or, or any of those. But uh, I, I say check it out. It's, it's uh, absolutely fascinating, especially if you're reading Dune right now in terms of how uh, Jodorowsky would have uh, interpreted it and, you know, who he would have cast and, and how he was trying to. Because, yeah, he had like Mobius doing design, essentially the entire team that ended up doing Alien uh, was working on Jodorowsky's Dune. So Geiger, is there Geiger? Yeah, yeah, like all of them were, they, they, they sort of picked up like the entire team. I think the, the screenwriter was, was what, Daniel Bannon, I, I want to say. And yeah, they all sort of ended up working on Alien and it would have been, uh, and there's this book, there's this gorgeous book that I think there's only five or six of them in existence filled with all the concept artwork that he took around to the studios to show like this could easily if someone decide to like, you know, print it for public consumption, it could be like a limit, a beautiful limited edition, like, you know, $500, you know, coffee table book. Hmm. Fuck, man, I really want to see the new Dune. It looks so cool. Have you read the book, Shane? No, I read the Wikipedia for all the books. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't got time to read Dune. Are you kidding me? Have, have you seen the uh, David Lynch version? Uh, I've seen a bunch of clips of it on YouTube. I've seen enough. Have you seen the... the uh, no, I didn't. Eric? No, I didn't. I, I always it's heard of it. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I always heard people refer to... The attempt, the failed attempt to take this wonderful book that, you know, never materialized that should have been, uh, you know, before Star Wars kind of thing, because they, they always reference the the inspiration that, you, that you know, Lucas clearly got from Dune. And as I listened to the book and I was... Inspiration? Stole it. Well, I... Uh, as I watched The Mandalorian these last couple weeks, I saw, especially in, was it the first or second episode, Sam, where they fight the uh, the sand dragon? Oh, yeah, yeah, that uh, opening episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the sandworms. That, yes. that is definitely sandworm territory. Yes. Spoiler. So, yeah, so that, that when I watched that, I was thinking, like, this is really... This is felt doomed. I knew it was Star Wars, but I felt like I, I see why people say that certain things were taken from it. And it's not Lucas making it now, but it's in that world where these things exist, right? So, um, it's but there's definitely a, a, a bit more of a, a deeper. Well, no, even even just the the Benny Jesuits were kind of remind me of Jedi's and and uh, you know the the that aspect of there being you know somewhat of a messiah there's those religious overtones to it and and you see that a little bit in a lot in star wars depending on which which part of the universe you focus on so uh how far are you in dune eric i've (laughs) because i'm listening to it 
I'm oh, okay. I've got three hours left. I'm almost at the end, chapter fifteen. So gotcha. it's in the book three section of it. Gotcha. Uh, now, are you planning on? Are, do you like it enough? Are you planning on to all the uh, other Dune novels and and uh, you know his son even continued? I, I believe uh, the novel series after he passed away. Um, I, I would probably continue reading the the ones that frank herbert wrote and like what whatever he concluded with maybe um because i've heard that they you know the whole series is is good and i i do like seeing where it picks off picks up on where especially when you see that there's been a universe created for for this for for this world in a way right it's like when you yeah this was meant to be a franchise so that first movie was supposed to kick off like a whole series right and again uh the lynch because it's david lynch it's still an interesting movie i I look at it the same way i look at david fincher's alien three you know what i mean you don't necessarily go in looking for you know uh what you want in an alien aliens movie but it's definitely uh an interesting uh, Fincher movie, so same thing in, in terms of uh, you sort of take it out of you put it in the context of David Lynch films, and uh, yeah, it is kind of a uh, uh, fascinating uh, place to go given the fact that you know it was the guy who did Elephant Man and then over to Blue Velvet essentially, right? Sandwiching you know Dune of all things, yeah, yeah, and 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 I can see why if they didn't have. I guess the same people, maybe they did, I could be wrong, but in, in regards to that movie in the 80s, it require it does require a certain amount of special effects and setting to be to be just right to capture that world to make the story come alive the way it needs to. And if and if there was a uh, a lack of um, technology at the time other than Lucas making the movie, I could see why it would sort of miss the mark. But um mm-hmm. It, I was looking for the preview for the new one looked incredible and I said it's a shame that I haven't read this book and I remember Adam Gorham when I had him on the show talked about how much he loved Doom and the way he described it uh, made me want to pick it up and read it what's the movie puts back to by the way how far back September next year oh jeez. Okay. I know it's like if it was like March or something like that I'd be like all right fine but uh I, don't, I was really getting excited too because you know the last couple uh star wars have been disappointing and i was like you know doing something to really look forward to that's in that same vein uh, have you tried the mandalorian shape i watched the first season i, I really liked it okay I don't know well this season is I, i'm really enjoying this season and uh, yeah, yeah the, it's on the television to the uh, right of you <laughs> whenever you want to watch it so yeah, it's not that i i don't have access to it i just i don't know if i'm i think i'm i don't know I don't want to watch anymore. Fair enough. I don't Fair like enough. shows. <laughs> I get it. It's a Western. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Boba Fett in a Western. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, for me, it's because I've been watching the cartoons. There's a lot of stuff that's sort of showing up from the cartoons that I'm nerding out about. Uh, uh, Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica in particular is playing a character who I won't reveal to you guys, but she's awesome. Yeah. I, I saw that they're trying to cancel Gina Carano now. Why? Because she's, uh, she's one of these like far-right conspiracy theorists, and she's like into, what's it called? Quanon? Quanon, QAnon? QAnon? Whatever it is. QAnon? 
QAnon, is that what it's called? Yeah, she's like, uh, she retweets stuff like that, apparently, and now the left's, like, trying to cancel her, and I'm like, that sounds like she's kind of a dummy, but, like, does she need to lose her job and be canceled because she thinks Trump won the election? Nowadays, yes. That's what you have to think, apparently. But, no. Why She has an opinion. It's just maybe a stupid one, but who cares? It's not based on reality, but... You know, yeah, it sounds like she's a dummy, but like, I don't think she should be canceled. Did you guys see the social dilemma on Netflix? It really, really helped me understand things a lot better. Like in terms of just, just you know, why the world is kind of so divided right now. Or yeah, uh, I, he was actually Tristan Harris was on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, and he got into it a little bit more in depth too about things. And yeah, it it, it does make a lot of sense. And it, it kind of I've I've been wanting to I'm not a a uh, a person who posts a lot anyways on any of my social media accounts but it made me step away from it a little a little bit more and I had wanted to just because a lot of times I'd be I'd be scrolling and I would f- see a lot of stuff that I liked and and you know funny stuff that people would post but after maybe ten minutes I was just feeling irritated just getting more irritated at stuff I'm like why am I feeling this way am I why am I keep doing something that's making me feel this way without even yeah. thinking about it like i would press the icon when i'm at work and i would just start and then before i knew it i was just in a bad mood i'm like i'm, I'm an idiot just stop going on it if it makes you feel that way but oh you don't like i love being irritated mm. <laughs> no i'm i'm team eric here i i probably that week i probably would have taken it off if, if her if our kickstarter wasn't ending that week and i didn't have to be online it just yeah the the discourse wasn't uh, very discursive uh, uh, in my opinion yeah and i i like it for the be, being able to connect to comic creators that was the main reason i started using facebook really and i i met shane through it martin through it Right, so if I didn't have those accounts and and make those friendships, I wouldn't. I've made some real friends that way. But with that said, even people who I know or people who I went to, everybody's just become a, a pundit and a and a poet and a prophet. And every profound uh, thing that comes to their head, they got to make sure they post it. And it's just like I don't know. After a while, I'm, everybody's just too much. And then so you've you got met Shane through Tinder. Yeah, through Tinder. That was it. Grind, through Tinder. Grinder, right? <laughs> Or, or what's the other one? Plenty of fish. <laughs> P.O.F., baby, P.O.F. Yeah. You swiped, uh, I don't know if it's left or right. You swiped, you swiped. Yeah. I was looking <laughs> yes, for bearded men. <laughs> bearded bears. Um, but yeah, How I mean. did you guys meet, by the way, on online? That, that fascinates me, actually. No, we met. We we didn't. Then we meet at Pints and Pages, and then uh, a year later, Eric was like, uh, he came to the show, and I was like, oh, I'm Shane, and he was like, we've met before, and I didn't remember at all. And it's been the ongoing joke ever since that. And it, and nobody remembers Eric. Nobody remembers me, Sam. It's actually true. A lot of people were like, oh, hey, how's it going? I'm like, oh, he goes, what's your name? I'm like, we podcasted for a half hour one time. And like, oh, oh, sorry. I'm like, How? okay, well, it's good you had a nice time. So me being me, how many times did you have, because I play this game all the time, how many times did I have to introduce myself to you before I remembered it was you? You're the one who has remembered me, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's surprising. That is Shane will tell you. I, I don't. you think everyone is someone else. 
Yeah, I always turned to Shane afterwards. It's like, who was that? Yeah, no, I was actually <laughs> the one person who you did remember. I don't know if it's because oh, okay. um I'm not sure. We, I think we had just kept running into each other at, at either Gotham Central or if I was with Martin, we, gotcha. I'd meet you with Martin and we'd have the yellow shirt, so you always remembered us. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I got for naming his, uh, whatever that, that uh, his wife's uh, segment right. on, his, on his show, right? That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, so did we meet at the Doomsday Clock signing? No, no, no. We had, uh, okay. I think we had met at... Um, we met at Comic Con, uh, Fan Expo, but even you know where I, I had met you actually was when um, Free Comic Book Day at Gotham Central when he ah, had okay. Ken. You were sitting beside Ken Lashley that year. Ah, okay, gotcha, and I gotcha. Met you there, yeah, yeah, that was a great year. I was like a little fish, uh, you know, uh, picking the, the teeth of the whale. Like everyone was lined up for Ken Lashley. So yeah, no, that was that was a nice they year. Made a lot of sales. Yeah, it was, he's Eric, such a, he's you a should change guy. your name to Generic. 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 Well, when you think about it, Eric is no offense is is the the sort of how you would describe a serial killer, right? It's it's like average sort of height, and he's white guy with glasses. And <laughs> isn't isn't that normally how? Uh... Yeah. Now with the beard and and you know I have the no, cave of solitude. Clean shaven. Usually it usually it's yeah clean serial shaven. killers are clean shaven. Yeah. Usually it's clean clean shaven. So you're you're less uh, serial killer right now. But, okay. Uh, I think it, in terms of you know oh he's such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's Eric Anthony? Oh he's the guy who looks like the serial killer and he's nice he's yeah, a nice yeah. guy too. <laughs> I've never had that uh, description before. Yeah. <laughs> He's got eight heads buried in his backyard. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. You'd be a good killer because no one ever remembers you. Then you'd be like, yeah, that's the whole thing. They try to talk to a witness and they're like, did you see a guy walking? I'm like, I don't recall that at all. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I remembered you, it makes me like, what, one for like a hundred? Well, when I when I met Shane at uh, Pints and Pages, I had actually gone to that because um, – I wanted to try to interview. This was early in my interviewing days. I wanted to get Sanya Anwar on the show. Oh, my never, my former studio mate. She's wonderful. Yeah, I've never been able to to see her again at at the the comic cons, and I wanted to get Mike Ruth on the show because I knew he invited me to it at Fan Expo. And it's funny when he invited me to it. He was he was drawing something in my book, I think, and Shane was at his table when before i got a chance to talk to mike and i remember seeing shane there and then again at pints and pages and that's where we met but a year later when he's like hey i listened to an episode of your show i like it um i was like we met before and he's like oh well nice to meet you again <laughs> you say that a lot eh yeah uh, we've actually met before yeah, yeah. <laughs> put people on the spot it's okay it's okay now yeah. eric you were saying you had seen you started watching the crown yeah, um, my wife has has seen all of it. She really enjoyed it. She also really she she likes those period pieces, Downton Abbey, The Crown, that sort of stuff. And she's been trying to get me to uh, rewatch the first three seasons of it because she she wanted to watch season four with me. But I said mm-hmm. just just get into season four. I mean, I I I understand what the timeline is that we're at now. It's kind of the one I'm familiar with when the kids are all mm-hmm. getting married and it becomes very, very paparazzi heavy with Diana and stuff. So I'm like, just start it. I'm, I'll be, I'll kind of know where we are in the stream of time. And I caught, um, 
a couple of episodes that she would watch in the background. Like if she was in the middle of a season, I'd see a couple. So I haven't seen them all, but I have seen enough to know what, what's, what's happening. But um, it's a very well-made show. Very good. Uh, how far are you in season one? Season one, I think I've watched maybe, re- started re-watching maybe two episodes. So I'm early. Oh, okay. So, but season so four, I'm, I'm halfway, halfway through, I think. Like episode five okay. or six. Yeah, the one with uh, Michael Fagan. I just watched that one. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Have you seen the movie The Queen? No. no. Uh, well, ask your wife if she has, because that would be a good sort of companion piece as well, because uh, it's the same guy who did uh, The Crown, had that movie with Helen Mirren, right. which I believe is where they are leading with the series. Like, I can easily see... I don't, again, I don't know what's going to go on next season, but uh, it feels like they're they're leading to the territory that uh, the Queen portrayed with. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was like Tony Blair and her relationship with him. Okay, okay, got you. Because you, you you know a lot of it is about the audience, right? The Queen's relationships with the Prime Minister and Gillian uh, Anderson. Did you see any of the Gillian Anderson yep. stuff? Oh yeah. I didn't know. I mean, it obviously looks like her now that I know, but I was confusing it for uh, Rose Byrne. Yeah, she disappeared into that role. I was really impressed that 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 was Gillian Anderson. Yeah. Did do you, do you do you see a, a resemblance to the actress Rose Byrne? I do actually. I can I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's who I thought actually, it was. My other recommendation uh, uh, to you and your wife: uh, ask your wife if she's seen the King's Speech. Okay, I think she has. Even though it's not the same guy, it actually makes good bookends. If you sort of uh, watch the King's Speech in context of uh, the first few seasons of The Crown, and then uh, once you're done season four, go watch uh, The Queen uh, in there. Okay, got you. Guys, this sounds boring as shit. What, The Crown? (laughs) Well, I'm trying not to spoil it for him. Oh, that's why it's boring, because you're not spoiling it. Well, I mean, it's it's historical, right? It's stuff that and actually it's happened. Fall, it's the fall of the British Empire through the eyes of of the monarchy, essentially. And, yeah. and there's a whole premise of uh, sibling rivalry. Have you seen the King's Speech, Shane? No. Okay, but you know the premise being uh, one yes. king abdicated and his brother came in. So there's this whole uh, current of sibling rivalry. Uh, from there, actually, even through to present day, you can see this playing out with uh, Harry and William right now. It, it is kind of uh, fascinating. Yeah, uh, fascinating. What <laughs> would you like to talk about, Shane? Um, uh, um, uh, I don't got anything else. I just want to complain. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, I've watched Discovery. Uh, what else am I? Archer, the latest season of Archer. Uh, you were looking for recommendations for Brian K. Vaughn books, right, Eric? Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, the only thing that I haven't really uh, dove into is is Saga. I've done Paper Girls. I know uh, Private Eye I haven't read. I'd like to read that. I heard that's excellent. I did Ex Machina, um, Why the Last Man. I, I've read uh, a good portion of The Runaways that he did. Um trying to think of what that other one would be because he does those those long finite series and i'm trying to think of what 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 am i missing 
Uh, well, there's a standalone graphic novel called Pride of Baghdad, which I think is brilliant. It's basically oh, it's about so life good. in during the Gulf War, essentially. I think was it uh, the zoo? They got sort of released and in, in into the streets, essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a real. It I mean. It's a real story that happened, like the Pride of Lions escaped the zoo and they were wandering all over Baghdad. And then it's basically like a, a Disney-ized version of that, kind of, but with really gritty, um, amazing art by, is it Nico Heinrichen? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I think so. Eric, you should own that book. It's a beautiful, beautiful hardcover. Yeah, gorgeous. No, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check that out because I've, I've liked um, his storytelling and everything I've read so far. I couldn't get into Saga, but I don't know if, if I try again, if something would change. Um, but yeah, I like his stuff a lot. Really? And you like all of his other stuff? Yeah, and I know everyone sings the praises of it because, you know, Fiona Staples' art is gorgeous. And I, It was mm. early when um, I had gotten heavily back into collecting comics and reading a lot more than just, the you know, my, my comfort zone. And so I wanted to give it a chance. And just the, at the time, it just didn't do it for me. The talking TVs, having sex. I'm like, ah, this is weird. I'm sure this is good. But it's, it's I, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me at the time. Whereas now I would probably read it with a different lens and appreciation. Well, that's what I love about it. Just the weirdness. Because he has sort of, it is, it does taste place in space. But it is sort of a reinvention of the fantasy genre. And, and yeah, the TV is having sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it threw me off at first, but I am being a little bit more. I'm trying to be more broad in in uh, the stuff that I'm that I'm reading. But also, I think with the I said this before, but with the change in the pandemic and and how we kind of are spending our time, I've been reading more bigger chunks of of uh, of runs. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm reading things kind of with a different lens and write all the way through instead of like graphic novel here and then wait a couple months and then I revisit that character completely forgetting the story. I'm, I'm getting more a sense of the full scope of what um, a creator or a group of creators was trying to do. So I'm like I read Animal Man from Jeff Lemire, something I probably would have never tried reading in, in you know regular format or digital format, but the omnibus was... A good deal so i gave it a shot and it was it was a really good book and it makes me so now want to read, read... parallel with uh, scott snyder's swamp thing no it, it has tie-ins the the tie-ins mm-hmm. to scott snyder's swamp thing is included in in the animal okay. man uh run but it was something that i probably and it then made me want to read you know grant morrison's original stuff of of animal man so it kind of takes you down a rabbit hole of saying oh, I'm, I'm gonna give this stuff a try that i would have ignored before because i thought ah that's not for me so it's it's just funny how a reading, uh, a format of reading can kind of change what you'll what you'll get into. It was kind of like when when Shane you gave me uh, Planetary as a as an option. It it changed my appreciation for the, the, the like even Warren Ellis like Authority and all that kind of stuff. I had never cared to read his stuff before, so I like when that happens. Well, if you do get a chance, it is sort of fascinating because they Snyder and Lemire are telling parallel stories. So yeah. just sort of to read them side by side is pretty cool. And actually, I forgot uh, the other major, you know, fairly, again, it wasn't as long as his other runs, but uh, Brian K. Vaughn early on uh, did a Swamp Thing series starring his daughter, Tefe, 
uh, uh, kind of looks like his his wife uh, Abby Holland with the white hair with the, the streaks in it. So okay, uh, it's a, it was definitely a different take on Swamp Thing, which I I quite appreciated, and it is. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn finding his voice. So if you sort of read it as him sort of leading up to, uh, let's say, Why the Last Man, you know, you, you kind of get themes and uh, certain ideas cropping up in there. Yeah. It's kind of cool that he's one of the few creators. I'm sure there are other ones. I can't think of, of ones that come to my mind, but he's who he is without ever having being attached to a big two character. Like he didn't gain his fame and notoriety off of like a green lantern or captain america let's say it's it's all of his kind of creator own stuff that he's really known for which is cool absolutely creating runaways from whole cloth and uh, yeah ex machina it's it's a very rare career where you can say that you know he he i'm just just trying to think yeah maybe swamp thing is kind of his his one major sort of character and he's done you know issues of batman i, yeah. I want to say and and you know green lantern here and there if early on but yeah he's just really well known for things he's created whole cloth like, yeah can you guys think of anyone else who's kind of like that in that sort Will of Eisner? yeah yeah that's true that's a great I, example. I don't i don't know everything about eisner but i don't i don't remember him working on any sort of like marvel or dc stuff like everything he did was all the books I have are all his own. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I, I isn't there, right? Uh, yeah. Recently, I've kind of become a, a bit of a fan of Karen Gillan, uh, without actually not to be confused with the Doctor Who actress, without actually having read any of uh, his Marvel stuff. Like I, he's got a lot of like really cool uh, image indie stuff, like Wicked and Divine and Die and uh once in future and uh, for for me i i've picked up his his marvel and dc stuff and i i like it well enough but uh yeah his creator own stuff is is what really stands out for me yeah i heard his star wars stuff was actually really good he did was it him i know jason actually, yes was vader doing, yeah he was doing vader vader was really good and he created Doctor Afra, actually. So yeah, I, I probably am wrong in terms of uh, you know not being into his corporate stuff uh, as much. Uh, his run on Vader was amazing because he managed to sort of tie in uh, uh, the prequel stuff a little bit in things that made sense. So uh, you'll pro- Doctor Afra, especially, you'll see uh, her sidekicks are an evil version of C three PO and R two D two. Yes, and. It perfectly makes sense because if uh, Anakin built C-3PO, then sure, Vader, Vader will build the evil, you know, uh, sadistic version of, of C-3PO. Yeah, no, it's true. I guess, I, I, I mean, Vertigo and, and Wildstorm is connected to, to DC, but I guess Warren Ellis is kind of in that same boat in a way where he worked on things that were not in that same mainstream scope of like a Batman or a Superman sort of thing where he, his stuff that he's known. Excalibur run is his best sort of known thing. And then he, uh, he burst on the scene by reinventing uh, Stormwatch essentially. Yeah. And, and planetary and, and he did Transmetropolitan and stuff like that. Right. Those are all real Mm -hmm. celebrated stuff. Do you watch the boys, Sam? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. It's, uh, no, I'm really enjoying it for what it is. Like, especially I, and in a lot of ways, it's better than the uh, 
graphic novel series. It's it's uh, exploring territory that sort of really feel like it's taking you know the military industrial complex stuff as well as superhero culture and and uh, without a lot of the uh, uh, groaning comedy that that uh, Ennis tends to sort of uh, put into his books that tears you out of the narrative. And and again, I'm a big Ennis fan, so. Mm. Have you gone very deep in, in much uh, Garth Ennis stuff? Recently, uh, he did a for Aftershock. I'm really loving Aftershock titles, and he's got a title called a 12 issue series called Walk Through Hell, which is one of the creepiest things I've I've read in recent memory. It's it's phenomenal, and and yeah, no one's read this book. I that's another that's a creator who I haven't uh, done a deep dive on. I know for a good portion of people. He's written things that they'll claim is like their favorite, uh, whether it's Preacher. I know Shane's talked a lot about Preacher and um, uh, the Punisher stuff that he's worked on. And now, of course, The Boys. So uh, he's another one of those, I guess, in that Coen Brothers uh, section of my brain where I've always heard good things, but I've never uh, dug deep into it. I was thinking of um, getting into one of his Punisher runs, but I wasn't sure which one to start with or if there was, you know, could you read Marvel Knights and not read Marvel Max or read Marvel Max without the Marvel Knights stuff? I wasn't sure if there was some correlation between it. So I was kind of debating I mean, that. I'd read Marvel Max uh, over Marvel Knights and then uh, Born is sort of his Punisher origin, which is fantastic. If you're interested in sort of, because Garth Ennis just wants to write war comics and his war comics are excellent like sarah from tko and uh what's the more recent one beautiful beautiful dreamers i want to say about the tuskegee airmen is phenomenal but uh yeah his punisher in vietnam stuff there's uh, they're bookended right now so there's uh punisher the platoon which is his first tour of duty uh, that recently came out a couple of years ago, so I recommend uh, Punisher Platoon, and then bookend that with Punisher Born, which uh, you know is the fall of uh, the last days of Vietnam, basically, where the Punisher becomes the Punisher as we know him. Okay, have you read those, Shane? I know you're a Garth Ennis fan. Have you read the Punisher stuff? I read his Marvel Knight stuff, and then a little bit of the Marvel Max stuff, but I kind of lost interest in it. But I feel like I should read. I, I I like the sound of that Platoon one actually. I might check that out. Garth, Garth Ennis is hard because I, I love Preacher so much, but then there's a lot of stuff like I couldn't get, ever get into Hitman. I tried to read Hitman. Um, uh, some of his stuff is just ridiculously silly, uh, and it's like. It, it's almost like he just wants to see what he can get away with sometime and like put such such ridiculous things on a page whereas while there's weird shocking gross things in preacher it always seems to fit the context uh whereas sometimes it feels like he's doing shock just to, to shock you uh to see, see what he can get away with so i don't know like i i really love preacher it's one of my all-time favorites uh and then there's a few other books of his. Like, I really like Rifle Brigade, which is ridiculous and silly, but um, I, I'm iffy with Garth Ennis stuff. I never really know if, what I'm going to get, if I'm going to like it. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the consensus I've gotten from it, too, where it's it's really good if you have the taste for it. You know what I yeah. mean? And and if you don't, then it'll, it'll, it'll miss you. It'll pass you by sort of thing. Is there... I want to ask Sam this question too. Is there a, a book that, or or a series that everybody swears by and loves, but you just cannot understand it? 
Or Sam, he's gone. Oh, where'd he go? There he is. For me, uh, it's actually Saga. I, I don't get Saga. I've tried reading Saga. Um, I've been accused of being a misogynist because I don't like Saga. Like a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's by a, a certain uh, social justice warrior type person. But uh, I just, I, I've tried to figure out what I don't like about Saga is I, I don't think the character designs are interesting at all to me. But also, while I like Fiona Stable's artwork, I don't like the interiors of the book, and I think it's because there's it's all like all the backgrounds and everything in it are like digitized, and there's not a lot of heavy black lines and line weight to stuff, and that's the kind of thing. Like I love uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, Paul Pope, these guys who do like heavy inks and black stuff. That's my favorite kind of artwork. So I feel like that's what I don't like about Saga, and for me, it's like uh, you know, uh, some people. Like just you know, if the writing's good enough, they don't care about the art. But me, it's it's got to be a good balance. And and the, the, there's nothing wrong with Fiona Staples. Like I'm not saying she's terrible or anything. Like she's obviously a great artist, but just doesn't do it for me. And I don't like Saga. And I, I don't. And everyone just keeps trying to convince me to get into Saga, and I just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Sam, Eric was, Eric was saying, what's one series or something like that that everyone swears by and loves, and you just don't get it. Oh God, um, I'm just trying to think. Trying to think, but nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hamster is because uh, because I always do. That's a clip they they always play on Stern when uh, he says, "I'm trying to think." They play the clip of the Stooges, and he's like, I'm "Trying to think, but nothing happens." <laughs> <laughs> I. Yeah, it's it's weird. If I if I do sort of start something and then I'm just sort of not interested, I just sort of put it down and then it, it falls out of my head. Uh, that happens I, to me all the time, even with stuff I like. It's it's horrible, but 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 specifically stuff that everyone sort of agrees they love, and you just you don't get it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Eric? Can you think of one while Sam's uh, wheels are turning? Hmm. I had you know. I, these things I have them in my head when I think of these questions, and then now that I remember to ask, I, I'm trying to think. But a lot of times I have that feeling with things that every I guess Saga would have been that one, but again I haven't given it enough of a fair chance to to uh, to judge it. Let me think about that. I wasn't ready to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> you asked the goddamn question. I know. I oh, didn't... I got one. Uh, uh, I got one. Yeah, uh, Craig Thompson. You know what? I just finally read that after about 15 years of wanting to read it, or however old it is. And you know what? I didn't care for it either. Which yeah, one? Like, Which book? Like, I, I, again, I feel like a being because because the over what is it the over sentimentality of I, it's, I, I, called, I, it's called blankets it's a i think from top shelf is it yeah yeah it's okay like that. yeah it's, yeah. A, it's got such critical acclaim and and yeah, yeah and I, I i feel terrible that i i don't i don't get it yeah yeah and the book design it looks so nice and cool it, it almost like i almost felt like it wasn't i don't know what i expected but from the the cover and and hearing i i feel like i expected something different and then when I read it, I was just kind of like, ah, really? This this is it? I don't know. Well, what were you expecting from it? And and I'll, I'll let you know what I was expecting from it. I don't know what I was expecting. Maybe something like more fun and nice, kind of like 
Scott's Pilgrimy without the like superhero-y uh, video game stuff or something. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was really into like at the uh, 2007. Uh, in the next few years after, like Top Shelf, I loved everything Top Shelf was doing. I was into Jeffrey Brown stuff, uh, Box Office Poison, that type of thing. And I don't know, I didn't read Blankets, but I kept. I don't know. I don't know what what I expected, but it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And it wasn't even, I don't know, it just, it, I guess I read it and I kind of felt shitty after. Yeah, like I was, I was, like it, it just looked sort of, uh, you were hoping for something, what, whimsical, romantic, he's a he's a mental weakling. Is that too harsh? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just couldn't, the car- yeah, I couldn't get into and it. And you almost don't want to say it because, uh, what, his name's Craig Thompson, right? I, yeah. I think it's Art's great, I think he's a great creator. Uh, I just yeah, it, blankets just didn't do, didn't do it. And and again, I, I I've never said this out loud as well. This is almost like a confessional here. <laughs> well, that's the one thing about saying this. It's like I think when you say like, I get this with with when I say I don't really care for Saga, I think people all of a sudden it's like you're saying like you hate you hate it. It's terrible. It's, it's and it's like hate. I'm not saying that. I just don't I don't really like it. Like it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it sucks. I'm saying it's not for me, and I think yeah. that's okay. And this stage, everything. So, like, there, I think there was like a meme about that, and it was like how the internet works these days. And it was just like, it was like, um, if you say like, I don't like oranges, and they're like, so you hate oranges? And they're like, no, I just don't like oranges. <laughs> they're like, what about pineapple? What about all the other fruits? And it's like, no, man, can you just not like? You can feel impartial to something too, right? Yeah, it's it's not for me. Oh, hey, uh, I in terms of Oni stuff, I just I literally just uh, dug it up when I was uh, going through my storage locker. It was called Days Like This. Uh, uh, it was an early uh, Scott uh, Chandler and uh, uh, what's his name, um, Jay, uh, uh, the guy who does who the, the local guy who does uh, uh, Teen Titans Go and uh, uh, True. Jay, Jay oh, Torres. Yeah, Jay Torres. Jay Torres. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's a it's a great little period piece, especially uh, with uh, Chandler doing his. I think there's something musical and jazz oriented that he recently came out with. So I'd, I'd kind of be interested in in uh, checking that out. But it's a. I felt like I found a nice little gem in uh, days like this. And again, I don't know if you you know that Shane that book, uh, but it, I've again, not heard of it. But it sounds good. Yeah, I'll, I'll dig it out. It, it's again, uh, uh, you know, early days of, of uh, uh, music and radio and and uh, that kind of thing. Very nostalgic. Hmm. I thought Where, of one. Did you think of one? I did. I thought of one. Um, East of West. I couldn't get it. It's not that it's not good. I just oh. couldn't get it. And I and it had all of the trappings of something that I thought I would really like, and it was sold mm-hmm. to me at um, everywhere people would talk about it. it. Was like this is the best thing I've ever read. Like that's how it was being presented. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm gonna like it. I like Jonathan Hickman. The art and looks really nice, and I just couldn't. Jonathan Hickman for me is kind of like um, what Grant Morrison is for some people who get it really get it, and then if if you're if you don't. It's hit or miss. You either love it and then don't love other stuff. And I feel like that with Jonathan Hickman. At East of Hickman's, West. Hickman's creator-owned work, especially at Image, uh, there's a lot of it that takes sort of a lot of work to get into. Yeah. And, uh, and again, I it, it uh, you know I, I 
you know, I try to read his stuff in single issue format, and it, it often it doesn't work because there are like such big ideas and so many large sprawling casts of characters. And uh, yeah, I had to return to East of West and uh, read it. And I think I read the first twenty issues, and and actually did enjoy it but you have to really focus and concentrate and you know figure out the big tapestry that yeah. they're uh, building here with the four horsemen etc cetera, etc cetera. and then uh, yeah more recently i'm like oh i should finish that series and uh, again i think I, I had just a lot of distraction going on at, at the time and i i didn't make it through and i'm i i really need to sort of carve out time to because i think the series is done now uh, just to revisit it uh, but for me the the black monday murders uh, was a lot of work, but once you got into it, it is it is one of my uh, favorite series currently. And it, again, it's on on uh, per, uh, uh, long term hiatus right now because the the artist, I think his name's Tom uh, Coker, uh, uh, doing beautiful art, but is sick. Uh, and again, it's it's to Tom Coker sick. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's the artist. Uh, he used to do like Gen Thirteen. He did a Gen. 13. He's great. He's a great artist. I did. Not yeah, yeah. I hope he's and, well. And black. Black Monday Murders is phenomenal, and again, this will put Shane to sleep. It's it's a it's a conspiracy about banking. It's a Lovecraftian conspiracy about banking, and, and Shane's already like his eyes are closed, and uh, and his uh, and, and again, it because this is where he started doing all that stuff in X-Men with all the text and his uh, info because Hickman's background is a graphic designer, right? So he's just got all kinds of infographics. Reed is a uh, what was his first book? So and like, nightly uh, news, nightly news, nightly news, and Pax Romana. And yeah, like they yeah. Were, I remember getting into them too and being like, "This is cool. It's different." Mm-hmm. But yeah, after a while, like you're right. It's that's the thing with Hickman. He, it takes a lot of work sometimes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I remember liking both, but it, it just I don't know if I have the concentration always to to read a Hickman book. Yeah, you know? I agree with you, Eric. Like, I tried to read uh, East to West. I got the first trade. And I am like I read the whole trade. And I was like, I don't care about this. Like I, I, I don't know what it is, but it didn't interest me at all. And yeah. it looks cool. I felt like I heard such good things and everything. Nah, not, not everything about it looked. I, I think I had the first two or three trades. I think I read the first two, and I just was like, when, when is it? When am I gonna? When's it gonna click for me? And it just wasn't clicking. And um, even with his Avengers, I liked the Avengers, and I felt that when I read it through i understood the whole grand scheme of things but you also had to know kind of his his fantastic four to appreciate it in a way and it, yes it, absolutely it, and there it, it is a bit of a it's a payoff but it's a big uh investment to to get that payoff I think, yeah i think i was lucky because i i had picked up secret warriors because i guess bendis was mm. supposedly the the co-creator on that to begin with but it was all and he started off like his complex storylines there and I just sort of followed him into Fantastic Four into you know Avengers into whatever it was Infinity and then into Secret Wars and by the time I got to Secret Wars I'm like okay this is an amazing payoff for me who's been following this stuff for five or eight years but someone who picks up Secret Wars cold isn't really gonna, gonna appreciate all of this you know yeah no it's just how I'm feeling like yeah, and I think there's something to be said about creators who can do that, but then there's also something that I, I appreciate more when I can just pick up a, a, a one issue, two issues, and I'm in. Like, I, I'm already there. I'm ready. It's like a television show. 
Some shows mm-hmm. you you know you gotta get to episode six and and that'll be it. And some people are like ah, I need to be into it by end of episode one or two. I gotta be that's where yeah. it's gotta go. So yeah, Hickman is hit or miss for me. And it it the one thing I like about his X Men stuff is that it made me appreciate older X Men stuff that I didn't know. And it I went back and reread and and kind of understood all the things that he had put into place and referenced i appreciated that but i never i haven't read anything past house of x or powers of 10 it just seems too much yeah. too sprawling yeah basically i'm glad i read house of X. like i loved house of x powers of x but it's been such a slow burn i'm ready like and again i it made me it did its job it made me sample all these x-men titles and i end up like i like x-men i like uh, Hick- like mostly the hickman titles are the must reads you know the new mutants run uh x-men and uh, yeah i think this will all it's such a slow burn i will have to put it aside and uh, let it sort of compile and yeah. then read it all later and i likely won't read a lot of the tie-in titles as well that aren't written by hickman unfortunately yeah now they have you this know, big event them this big event of of swords of X is that what it's called right now, the swords. Yeah, yeah. And it's like all the titles tie into it, and it's twenty five issues long. And I'm just like, ugh, I, uh, it's it's just it's exhausting thinking about it. I don't want to read it like that. Well, the bits, the bits I've read are are pulling me in, especially the X Men specific titles, because it it actually uh, Hickman's doing a really good job of fleshing out uh, Apocalypse as a character. So everything up to when he's hanging out in ancient Egypt is still in continuity, but then uh, you actually get to meet, uh, you know, discover, well, not spoilers, uh, 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 Apocalypse's true origins and his true motivation. Like, he's not just a starling, uh, mustache-twirling villain for me uh, with this, uh, uh, what's, what's it, Darwinian objective. Like, there, there actually is, in context of the storyline, uh, a purpose that he was trying, uh, and a rather sympathetic purpose as well. Right, right. Should be interesting. I'm sure it'll get collected in 500 different ways for people to read it. So when it's all all collected, said and done, maybe I'll I'll dive into it. Um, guys, I'm gonna put a pin in it for now because I'm gonna go have supper with the wife if that's cool. I appreciate. What are you gonna eat? Um, we've got some chili that we made. So we're gonna warm up the chili. I made chili. I made vegan chili the other day. Nah, it's not the same. What do you got, Sam? Is that your soup? You guys cut out on me. So on that note, since technology has decided to fail us and Skype has shut down on us, I will put a pin in this episode right there. Uh, thank you to Sam and to Shane for uh, doing episode 218, recording with me to episode 218. It has been a month, so it was nice to have a catch-up uh, episode and just to see where everybody's at and how everybody's doing. Thank you for listening. Uh, we are back. We'll be back to a regular, more regular recording scheduled program, and we'll have more episodes for you for the end of the year and the year to follow. So I'm Eric Anthony. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Like the show on on Apple on whatever podcast platform you use to listen and leave us a review because it always helps when people leave a review. Thank you everybody for listening. We will be back soon.